Welcome to the Stillhouse podcast, the show where we celebrate all things dark spirits. Whiskey, rum and cognac are sometimes misunderstood as drinks that can only be enjoyed by certain people on certain occasions, but this couldn't be further from the truth. So in this podcast, I'm delighted to meet some of the greatest minds in the world of spirits and cocktails to celebrate the magic of whiskey, rum and cognac. It doesn't matter if you're a complete beginner or a connoisseur. If you're interested in dark spirits, this show is for you. This is The Stillhouse Podcast, made in partnership with Edrington UK and me, Becky Paskin. Last week on The Stillhouse Podcast, I was joined by drinks journalist and author Alice Lassels and Chris Tanner of Silverleaf to explore the world of dark spirits and what's on the pulse. In this episode, we discussed whiskey's aspirational qualities and how it can make perfect cocktails for high tempo occasions. Plus, Chris and Alice revealed their top tips for making at-home cocktail experimentation easy, while we also predicted which dark spirits drink will be the next viral sensation. It's a really insightful and fun episode, some make sure you go back and give it a listen. People have enhanced their enjoyment of a good meal with alcohol for thousands of years, whether red wine with steak, beer with a burger or champagne with fries. Everyone has their own favourite pairing. But it seems dark spirits are underrepresented when it comes to this kind of experience. A lot of people don't consider options like whiskey or cognac as a natural accompaniment to food. But why? Do dark spirits just not work with food or are we simply blind to the possibilities? Are there countries outside the UK where dark spirits are more naturally seen as an accompaniment to a meal? And if so, what are some of the food and dark spirit pairings that aren't talked about enough? In this episode of the Stillhouse podcast, we're going to find out and I'm thrilled to welcome two guests who really know their food. Adam Layton is Head of Food for Honest Burgers, the UK-wide chain championing British produce. Previously a chef, he now leads marketing strategy, brand partnerships and new product development. We're also joined by Tom Bouton, head chef for The Grill at the Dorchester. Tom has worked in kitchens since he was 15 and has racked up experience in some of the UK's most renowned restaurants, including Pierre de Terre, Dabou and Alan Williams at the Westbury, where he retained a Michelin star. It's fair to say these guys know food, but they also know their drinks. I asked Tom and Adam why dark spirits aren't always the first drink you might think of when looking for a good pairing with your meal. We also discuss why drinks like whiskey can actually enhance the flavour of our food and how Japan's vibrant highball culture is influencing the way the world views whiskey and soda. Later on, you'll also hear us go through some great vegetarian and dark spirit combinations for all our plant-based listeners. But first, let's learn more about Tom and Adam in their own words. Adam, who are you? What do you do? I am head of food at Honest Burgers, been doing it for about six and a half years. Previous background in street food, so um, I looked after our stable of 45 street food traders at Street Feast. Tom, how about yourself? Uh, yeah, so I'm Tom Booton. I'm the exec chef of the Grill at the Dorchester, but I've been cooking since I was 14. So working in a little local restaurant back home in Colchester. Moved to London in 2012, just after the Olympics, and then worked in Michelin-starred restaurants. Done a bit overseas as well, and then realised I loved London. So I've been back ever since, really. So yeah. The fact that both of you have a background in food is going to work really well with this, because I'm going to bring the drinks knowledge to the table. And I want to know, first question to both of you, Adam, you can answer this first. 
What do you like to drink with your meals, alcohol-wise? If you're going to order an alcoholic drink, what's your go-to? It's so varied, you know. I mean, it's got to be anywhere in the spectrum from beer, wine and whiskey as well. You drink whiskey with your meals? Yeah, I think if I was getting some ramen or something, I'd have a, a whiskey highball or something. Especially when I was in Japan, you know, you can go up to the vending machines and get like a can of Suntory highball. You know, you can drink it like a beer, you know, it's got the effervescence, it, you know, it comes off the palate quickly. Yeah, it's quite good with the ramen. Super refreshing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, really lovely to drink. Tom, how about yourself? To be honest, I guess the first one would be beer, but love to start the meal with cocktails and the restaurant at the Dorchester. We really work hard about cocktails and different alcohols and we look at quite a lot of British kind of alcohols as well, which we're working big on trying to use in them brands and promoting them brands. But yeah, wine as well. Obviously, we, we love wine. We look at that for cocktails to wine, everything really, digestive afterwards. Do you find that people tend to navigate more towards beer and wine in, in your restaurant? Is that what they tend to order? Are they going for the cocktail menu? Are they looking for the highballs? What is it they tend to be ordering? Well, I think with us, it was always kind of wine and then, well, cocktails, wine, digestive. So that's why I wanted to bring the beer in a little bit to kind of offer that service. For me, I'd love to go there and have a beer first, maybe have a cocktail, then have a beer. Customers want to have a choice, which is most important. So we have to try our best to kind of guide them in the right way. What about at Honest Burgers? What are people drinking? Yeah, well, burgers. honest, I mean, you only get one drink out of someone because, you know, people are there for, you know, half an hour kind of burger and chips. So beer is the lion's share. But we have got a couple of spirits in there and I've, I've developed something specially for Maker's Mark that kind of matches our burgers, which I can talk about a bit later. So, yeah, we I mean, yeah, it's cocktails and beer, but beer is like the lion's share. Wonderful. Can't wait to hear about that special Maker's Mark pairing. It's an interesting one, though, isn't it? Because when you're eating out, and certainly for, this goes the same for me as well, if I'm having a meal, we don't really necessarily navigate towards dark spirits as being a natural accompaniment to food. Why do you think that is? I guess because a meal actually takes quite a long time to eat, and sometimes you can have them short, sometimes you can have them long. But I guess it is an educational thing as well, which I think is quite important. Some people just go straight for wine as well. So I guess it's important we just learn as much as we can, Like especially in the restaurant we have trainings by all the different whiskey houses weekly and we really get the staff to be educated on what that is so then they can sell that to the customer because theoretically a lot of people don't know a lot about whiskey so it's up to us in the trade to guide them in the right way yeah i think historically we've taken all of our cues from other cultures you know france for example you know we're kind of it's ingrained in us that you have wine with meals and, and that kind of thing and you, you might have a martini kind of first and over the last 10 15 years we've become a lot more educated i think people want to be told what to have as well so if there's an expert in position you know via the you know the chef or, or the waiter who can point you in the direction i think there's actually a lot for you to that, could, that would complement your meal yeah, it's an interesting one i think because while we don't necessarily think of having a neat spirit with a meal and, and actually that's not something that i would ever choose to do because i want something refreshing that's going to help me digest my food help it all go down a highball would work beautifully for that purpose most people go for wine or beer but actually I do really love a glass of whiskey if I'm snacking so if I am sat at the bar maybe I'll be snacking on cheeses or nuts or, yeah. or whatever tapas the bar tends to be serving so it has its place but do you think it's necessarily restricted to that scenario that environment or are we missing a trick here that there's more applications for dark spirits when we're eating beyond the snacking yeah i think so i think um you know big part of dark spirit particularly whiskey and uh, food pairing is that it's not just the type of whiskey and the, the flavors within it's the kind of format so if you're gonna have a burger you need a big drink really there's no point drinking in manhattan and having a burger because you're gonna finish the manhattan before so kind of if you're having like bar snacks you know have a cold short 
up drink that's great but yeah i think if you're wolfing down a burger or two you, you want something you can glug and so it's a, it's a timing thing it's a pacing thing yeah, exactly, just pace yeah. yourself throughout the experience yeah it has to complement the meal as well you know and vice versa the, there's nothing worse when you do go to a restaurant and you have a dish and then you just realize the wine doesn't work sometimes you get food wines which they are sometimes you drink a wine when we do it with testing dishes and you're always like i wouldn't drink that on a nice sunny day but actually with this dish it does marry together so it's the same for dark spirits as well if you can get the right flavor profile of what they have to match with the food then there is a marriage there dark spirits whether it's in a cocktail or neat how do you think that that can enhance our experience of the food we're eating you, you can you look at your whiskey and that can kind of bring out certain flavors in food and it can also kind of dull other flavors in the food and you know vice versa so uh, you know if you have a dairy in a dish or, or specifically cheese you know it can bring out some kind of uh, like spicier notes in, in the whiskey for, for example and um, but yeah other times it can you can kind of suppress flavors so it's uh, you know, choose your own adventure really how, how you want want it to go you know if you're if you're navigating um, a bourbon or a whiskey menu and I think you you kind of gravitate towards the, the sweeter things which tend to be a bit more food friendly especially after a meal but I mean I, you always look at, at cocktails as our big cue you know there's hundreds of years of cocktail culture so you know the things that go with uh, whiskeys for example mint citrus anything kind of woody we've got this you know spiciness from things like Angostura which you can compare with a lot of these drinks so um, a lot of the work's been done for us I think there's not a lot of new terrain there so I think I, I would always look to kind of what's been done before What kind of cocktails are you serving at the grill at the Dorchester at the bar before you mentioned obviously it's mostly for people who want something before they come into it what are you serving them what's your recommendation so we have a classic cocktail list which we've made and we spent a lot of time onto it so the tiddlywink has been one of our big ones as a champagne kind of based cocktail but then we actually have our own gin as well the old tom gin which the dorchester mm-hmm. made and we use that and this year we've really tried to focus on the kind of whiskey element as well of it also some tequila as well you do get some mm. darker kind of tequilas which we've looked at some of them are really honey kind of we did a tequila tasting not long ago and it blew me away because tequila for me reminds me of being 18 being out in colchester so uh, <laughs> i was like oh but then actually once you got into it and again that was educational because I had this thought we've all had some maybe cheaper whiskies which we've had at younger age and that takes us off doesn't it during lockdown when I was saying before we uh, started filming when we were doing all the tastings during lockdown when all the beautiful distilleries sent us loads of bottles to every single member of staff and we tried to keep all the team together I was like in my head I'm not going to like this at all but then you learn about I mean McCannon's the 12 the 15 I know the 15 was my favourite out of the 12 15 18 and I've been lucky to try quite a lot of them recently the red collection we've just tried and that was amazing but for me still the 18 is the biggest but that's because someone's educated me about it. I think that's a really important point because a lack of information really scares people away from trying something and trying something new. So if it hadn't have been for drinks brands sending you bottles to try something and get out of your comfort zone, mm. you never really would have thought about it being an option. And I think it, the same goes for tasting dark spirits, whether it's in cocktails or on its own with food. If you know your natural go-to would be a glass of wine or a beer, yeah. then perhaps maybe try a highball, try it in a different serve. I was going to ask that actually, because you mentioned to us earlier before we started recording the podcast that bourbon's your thing, that's your mm. spirit, that's your go-to. And it struck me as someone who was head of food for a burger chain that of course you would choose bourbon because it seems to be like the natural bedfellow mm. for meat. You have you have your meat and you have your, your bourbon whiskey as well. Why is that? Why does bourbon work so well with meat? I think partly it's because you've got so many flavours in there. You know, if you've got the sweetness of the bourbon coming through and the kind of vanilla notes and the woody notes and things, you know, that can complement the kind of umami and the salty and the kind of other flavours that you get in a burger. But culturally as well, you know, like bourbon's American, burgers are, are American. That's kind of coming together of things makes it a bit easy. You know, it's not an imaginative leap that your customers have to make to put an American thing with an American thing. Mm. So um, that's definitely helped. What are your thoughts on that, Tom? There's, Smoky. There's, 
I, I just think of Smokey whenever you're talking about that, smoking your, like them big, nice smokers they have in, down in Texas. And you can just imagine, I've not been there at that part of the world, but you can just imagine them drinking bourbon, smoky. I get that oaky kind of, I was looking at the table thinking it was oaky and stuff. And I was thinking an oaky kind of smoky kind of flavours. Mm. Theoretically, if we're going along those kinds of lines, if you had like a really lovely, sweet, but smoky Isla whiskey, for mm. instance. So it's it's got the lovely fruitiness, maybe it's sherry cast matured, so it has some rich, deep fruit notes. Yeah. It has the vanilla, it has some smoke to it. I'm thinking like a nice tropical more like a 15 year old which also has a little bit of a, a meaty note to it yeah. would be a perfect accompaniment to me i'm talking as a vegetarian who hasn't eaten meat since i was about 10 but in my mind i feel like that would work quite well with the scottish ones i always get like a little bit of seaweed as well especially the ones on the left hand side of scotland isla kind of you always get that seaweedy kind of notes in it as well which i think is really cool and it's good to play on as well loads of fish dishes when i was last up in scotland we had so many fish dishes with the whiskey kind of in the sauce as well which i know has been done but i think nowadays it's been elevated and made we've all got that picture in our head of that piece of venison kind of a bit overcooked and with a rich whiskey sauce with peppercorns <laughs> in it or something because where i think now there's so like for this country there's so many great chefs here you know there's even i'm still a baby in the world but i've been cooking for 15 years and london wasn't like this when i first moved to london 12 13 years ago there's so many good things here scotland's amazing and we always forget i think we forget uh, scotland's like right there and we've got all these beautiful distilleries and not many people have been up there it's only during covid where like we couldn't go abroad so me and rachel were like well i have to go to scotland but i loved it up there isle of sky we were talking about earlier so we are very lucky and i guess hopefully in the next 10 years we will see us being more educated all our southerners down here being more educated (laughs) about what what they have and what beautiful produce we have in this country and in britain we're absolutely right and i mean talking about provenance as well and pairing a drink with the food that comes from a very similar location the same region and talking about the style of whiskey that's available particularly on the west coast of scotland the peaty whiskies you were talking about the ones that have that seaweed kind of flavor to them it's not every peated whiskey but the ones that do have that note are made using peat that found on the coast because it's decayed plant matter so of course there's probably going to be some seaweed in there and Mm. some coastal vegetation as well so the peat will take on that kind of flavor and then so will the barley and then so will the whiskey so it already has this coastal maritime kind of flavor and then when you pair that with fish maybe it's scottish caught fish and again i haven't eaten fish for a very long time so i'm looking (laughs) i'm looking at you tom (laughs) well it's beautiful we've got the orkey i know they're a little bit more north but the orkey islands you've got yes best langustines we've got delivery of langustines this morning for the menu this evening and they were absolute whoopers and it's beautiful and we always forget we're too quick to moan sometimes here but actually we do have beautiful produce around us from meat to fish from vegetables you know so we should really be highlighting them alongside beautiful dark spirits as well yeah have you had any memorable dining experiences where you've had a cocktail I'd say whiskey but it could be rum or cognac you've had uh, a lovely drink alongside it is there anything that springs to mind I was in New York recently I was in Mama Fuku in the noodle bar which is just a really like beautiful restaurant you've been there it's amazing like because they've got spicy food as well the cocktails in there really married together they had a slush puppy machine and it was a rum and mango slush so it's like a mango slush puppy and they had a beautiful dark rum on top of it but it was just divine proper really nice like really nice and I was eating it with the deep fried chicken wings which are next level over there and with the ramen as well and it did it does work you know and then we had a whiskey cocktail afterwards as well and it does all match together but that was good yeah absolutely i really want to hear more about this uh, cocktail that you've put on honest burgers with maker's mark so here you are with a brilliant bourbon brand creating a lovely cocktail that's designed to go alongside your food 
Yeah, so we've done three collaborations with Makers Mark, and they all have a drinks pairing, but they start really, you know, with the burger, because, you know, we're going to sell a lot more burgers than we, we are drinks. We try to get as many people as we can to get on board with the drinks combination part, but, um, you know, lunchtimes, work, you know, the working week, you know, things get in the way. So um, we started with using Makers Mark as an ingredient in a barbecue sauce, which I think is probably like the most mm. obvious thing. Second year, I never wanted to do the same thing twice. Um, I was kind of liked um, the A1 sauce that you get in America, that's kind of like a steak sauce. Yeah. So we kind of, we did Makers Mark in a homemade version of that which I didn't realise until you know, scouring the web was um, the secret ingredient is raisins which you know it's obviously that, that raisin kind of flavour molecule is also present in the woods and that kind of thing so it's kind of already in the whiskey and then most recently we did a barbecue sriracha which was a kind of a mashup I had in my head we made a sriracha sauce from scratch and uh, we made a chipotle barbecue sauce from scratch and then we kind of like melded them together and that's up for a, it's, it's been it's part of a great taste awards this year oh um, congratulations it's a collaboration with a lead sauce brand called Thick Sauce so it's kind of like elevated every time and you know make a rod for our own back for the fourth time because we're, we're working on that at the moment and then we started with the drinks pairing we started with a, I think it was a mint julep first so you kind of like a longer classic it's an amazing drink isn't it and it's all about like how you serve it you know the ice is really important like having crushed ice and that kind of thing and getting that frost on the tin you know serving in a tin and that kind of thing and we served ours a bit kind of longer because again we, we need it to kind of be burger friendly and not too punchy so um that's the way we started and then we've most recently so last year we developed with another small brand called good one who are a craft hard soda company in hackney and we've basically created a peach iced tea in a can so kind of the format stands up to a burger because it's 330 mils. So you get like a good volume of liquid. So it's refreshing. You know, if you're if you're washing down all the salt and that kind of thing, you know, you need a big drink. Peach, you know, Kentucky's famous for peaches and that kind of what grows together goes together kind of vibe where you know, peach and bourbon, amazing combination. You've got tea in there, which kind of like clear the palates and refreshes as well. So it's, yeah, bourbon peach iced tea, which um, is not, you know, the most original idea either, but it's like, that's because it just works. It's like a, it's a fantastic combination. Well, there's nothing wrong with simplicity. I mean, if it's it's been done before it's been tried and tested there's a reason for Mm. it exactly I love Adam's point here and it's something a lot of chefs will tell you if you're trying out a new food and drink combination just keep it simple as Adam said consider how your flavors work together the natural sweetness of bourbon makes a great accompaniment to sticky flame grilled barbecue while a peter's scotch would work best with fresh salty seafood if you start off with the tried and tested combinations you won't go wrong This is just a quick reminder, you're listening to the Stillhouse podcast, made in partnership with Edrington UK and me, Becky Paskin. Coming up on the podcast, I challenge Tom and Adam to a quick fire round, testing their knowledge of food and dark spirit pairings, while we also discuss how you can create your own at home. Plus, we also look at which vegetables complement dark spirits best. But first, I wanted to ask Adam and Tom about Japan's incredible highball culture. Take a listen. I feel like this conversation is moving us more towards really examining the use of spirits in long drinks when it comes to food. So Mm. we're discussing the highball being a really brilliant accompaniment to, to dining because it's long, it's refreshing. Adam, you were saying that you were over in Japan and they're mm. just coming out of vending machines. Tell us a bit about your experience and how you came across the Yeah, highball. I mean, I love like Japanese bar culture. I mean, absolutely uh, yeah, blown away. You know, I love it when you go up to a whiskey bar and there's just one old guy in a white coat, probably in his 80s or, or 90s, you know, making drinks one by one, you know, hand carving the ice, having this like beautiful clear ice and just this kind of reverence to it that, that I really, really love. It's like a ritual, isn't it? Yeah. If you go to a really, you know, um, somewhere like in the Ginza district and you have like a proper whiskey highball, the spoon doesn't even touch the side of the glass. They can make a whiskey highball in silence and it's like, that's amazing. 
that was all, all amazing. And of course, the, you know, the Japanese have taken a lot of Scotch, particularly Scotch whiskey culture, and, and uh, kind of put their own spin on things. And it's amazing, you know, to see the kind of reverence towards Japanese whiskey that you get over there. When it comes to, I'm going to stick with this highball theme because I think particularly when it comes to pairing it with food, now you can use any whiskey in a mm. highball and you can also use any modifier as well. So you can create a, a syrup, maybe the syrup has a similar notes that are in the whiskey and then you can like tie all of that together to pair with the dish that you're enjoying. Tom, is there a dish on the menu at the Dorchester currently where you think a whiskey highball would fit perfectly as an accompaniment? We do do a few highballs on the menu. We've done one with elderflower before, and we used to do that with a raw scallop dish. That was really nice. Raw scallop and peas and the elderflower. So a lot of the time we make the sweet cordinals in the kitchen, and then we give them to our bartenders who then work their magic with it as well. Did I hear correctly? One of your tips here is that you can create, say, a cordial to use within your whiskey highball that is then also used in the dish itself. So then you're tying those two marrying them together together yeah. that's that's a really lovely idea and actually something that people could recreate at home really quite easily i imagine something like a penicillin would probably work quite nicely with say some sushi you have that nice ginger element or like some it's an asian cuisine that maybe does have gingery element to it how would you recommend that people go about maybe pairing a dish that they're making at home just for themselves or for friends and they're looking to create a drink experience alongside it that's not beer or wine something cocktaily Highbally. What are their key considerations? Whiskey is a strong thing, but it can take on smoky elements. Some of them have sweetness as well, like the 18. I always get like really bananary kind of flavours from it. So we've used that in desserts before, just running it through a sauce. If it's even just a bog standard proper custard, which you can't beat a bit of custard, but whiskey custard. I know it's been done, but like we said earlier, doing it properly is another thing and really having it done. But it's nice to use the booze in your food while you're having it as well. So then you can, while you're drinking the drink, you're trying it in the dish as well. So I think that's a nice kind of brings it together how about yourself adam how, what, yeah. what are the key considerations doing a pre-batch drink you know something that you can actually take your time before your guests arrive and actually like you know, build that flavor up you know things like um, manhattans like i find them better when they're pre-batched when the kind of flavors have got had the chance to get to know each other a bit it takes the pressure off you know if you're making manhattans after dinner for you know six people you're putting pressure on yourself when you really you could be spending more time with your mates what kind of dishes would you serve with a manhattan we're going to like desserts now i mean manhattans for me it makes me think of dark chocolate is that the direction we're heading in yeah i think so yeah i think that's that's fair you know having um dark chocolate can only add to the experience there and of course there's lots of different manhattan variations like one of my favorites is a red hook which has kind of got more of that kind of maraschino cherry flavor so uh you know ice cream you know would be would be pretty great you know you could even maybe take the cocktail flavor and reduce that and maybe make a bit of a reduction for your ice cream that could be quite particularly fun. if you've batched it in advance then yeah. you've uh, got plenty of time to reduce that we're going to go into a quick fire round now where i'm going to ask you for your dish suggestions for a range of cocktails i'm going to fire at you let's dive straight in with that all-time classic that everybody loves to order at the bar rum and coke Ooh. oh rum and coke very sweet i'm thinking chicken wings with a glaze with kind of like rum glaze would be my kind of first instinct, you know, playing on the sweetness to kind of contrast any kind of salty seasoning you'd have there. Okay, second cocktail is, it's got to be the classic, old-fashioned. Good question. I always go straight to like snacky things as well. I feel like that's also where we're getting with this. It's yeah. long drinks for proper meals yeah. and then short drinks short and drinks neat for, for snacky. Mm. I'm just thinking of a bar in Japan, um, in Ginza, called uh, Bar High Five. I had an old-fashioned in there and they served it with these like sweet potato matchsticks that were kind of like candied. 
Mm. And it was not something I've ever had over here, but you know, it had that kind of sweetness to kind of match the the old fashioned in it. It may have had some kind of orange peel in there as well, but it was that kind of really sticky, crispy. Yeah, there would have been, yeah, deep but fried. Like, yeah. Cooked down in sugar yeah. syrup and then deep fried. I've had something similar actually in a tapas restaurant in Bristol where they did um, crispy aubergine and then they did like a molasses kind of sticky thing over the top. Yeah, so it was nice. kind of that vibe. So yeah, playing on uh, kind of sweetness. and. Um, I'm going to fire one at you, a, a recommendation I've thought of to pair with an old fashioned. Frazzles. Frazzles. Yeah, the crisp. If the old fashioned is made with bourbon, then you've got the bacon actually works really well with bourbon. Mm. You've got mm. some slight sweetness in the drink, which cuts through some of the fattiness of the crisp as well, and it all cuts back through together. I think I was overthinking it. You just laid out frazzles. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, next cocktail. Let's have a bourbon highball made with pineapple soda. Pineapple tart tan. I love roasted pineapple. And then just glaze it up with a little bit of the whiskey as well. Roasted pineapple for me is next level mm. i'm going to say something a bit outlandish the first thing that comes to my mind is the kind of i think i'm going to get the pronunciation wrong but in uh, hawaii don't they have like masubi which is kind of like the kind of spam on sushi rice wrapped in seaweed but the reason why i think of that is because the pineapple is kind of bringing me in the hawaiian angle and spam super fatty pineapple super sharp and uh fruity juicy i think that's a good combination okay next cocktail because i want to try and include cognac in this a little bit well, cognac for me is just far gras Oh, yeah. yeah, we always always cure it in sauternes. And, but we're doing a duck liver parfait at the moment. It's like a set custard and we loads of cognac in it. Really nice. Wow. So I suppose it's the fruitiness of the cognac really cuts through the fattiness yeah, of the foie gras. Definitely. We've spoken a lot about dark spirits and cocktails and how we pair them with food. But it seems so far a lot of the answers really just veer towards meat and fish but what about vegetables vegetarian and vegan dishes because often it's overlooked and the easy answers here are cheese and chocolate mm. which seems to pair really really well with any kind of food and drink but is there anything that springs to mind any vegetarian dishes that you think would pair particularly well with whether it's a highball yeah. as, as we spoke a long drink or, or a shorter drink or neat spirit well, vegetables are, for me, massive, massive part of love and what you do as a chef. I always teach my boys and girls, we put the same love into vegetables than you do as meat and fish, as any protein. In my head there, we've got all the smoky things we were talking about earlier. You just roast a whole beautiful hispy cabbage and take your time roasting it really nice, get the smokiness into it. And it's the same as a piece of meat. You've got the same flavour profile, really, haven't you? I know you don't have the, the fattiness of a piece of like beef, ribeye or something, but you can put elements into that as well, which will make it more umptuous, like marmite and stuff. I don't know, just cooked off my head but if you've got the umami kind of flavors going into it like the marmite and you're glazing it up you still glaze it in a whiskey glaze as well a beautiful bit of hispy cabbage nice so we have a bit of a closing tradition on the Stillhouse podcast and this is where I ask you both for a recommendation and because you're chefs of course I'm going to ask what is your favorite food and drink pairing Adam, what's yours? So I, I'm going to go in and say a whiskey sour with my burger, but it has to be a big whiskey sour. So it's this my homemade free pour whiskey sour. Every time I have a whiskey sour, I think such a fantastic drink. And, you know, super simple, but, you know, everything has to be in the right balance. And it's got enough body and volume to it that you can have it with a burger, I think. And, you know, your burger will be fatty, and you, but you've got the kind of, obviously the citrus element of the whiskey sour is going to cut through all of that. You know, a burger's gutsy. I consider a, a whiskey sour a kind of gutsy drink. If I'm making a whiskey sour at home, 50 mil whiskey, I'm going to go 
Maker's Mark or actually um, Legend, if any of you tried that. That's uh, fantastic. It's a collaboration between Japanese whiskey makers and the Jim Beam whiskey makers. And it's really special stuff. And it's strong as well, you know, um, 47% or something. So it lends itself to mixing. Flavor's going to carry through. So yeah, 50 mil bourbon, 30 mil fresh lemon juice, 15 mil simple syrup. And that's dead easy to make at home. It's a one-to-one ratio, sugar yeah. to water. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and just like shake it up in a bottle. You don't need to boil it up or anything. Um, dissolves pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, I might be tempted to put a maraschino cherry in there and uh, maybe um, you know, a slice of orange. Yes. Don't forget the egg white. Don't forget the egg white. Yeah, put the egg white in, in first. Yeah, definitely um, get your egg white in there and shake the bejesus out of it and you know you'll get that really nice um silky kind of frothy head that's just yeah makes it super satisfying then put your angostura on top if you put it in the shaker first you're gonna have a kind of muddy looking whiskey sour so put it at the top and then you get the aromatics all at the kind of surface and drink it while it's laughing at you delicious okay so i'm gonna go for a bit more of a kind of uh, an adventurous kind of sunny kind of one so it reminds me of my mum because she always drinks malibu and pineapple so we thought we'd have a little play on a pina colada with a banoffee pie because i love a banoffee pie and it is beautiful so pina colada we uh i know sometimes use white rum but we're going to do 60 ml of golden rum then we're going to do 100 ml of pineapple juice 30 milliliters of coconut cream and then five milliliters of lime juice as well and then we bring that all together and then with a real classic kind of where you do a little spin of a banoffee pie sometimes so to make it super easy for a dinner party we just do a beautiful puff pastry tart case and then you can fill that in with your doce in the bottom then you can add your chocolate into it how you want you can make a chocolate cremeau which is a set custard which is a bit chefy but once you've made it you can have everything in bags in your fridge ready to go and then you can just build it up loads of grated chocolate on top a little bit more grated chocolate on top of your pina colada if you want to feel fancy and uh yeah enjoy it on a beautiful summer day Sounds delicious. Another retro pairing as well. Yes. But do you know what? I think it is the future. It's that kind of childhood favourites, isn't it? Looking back and looking forward. Tom and Adam, it's been really lovely to have you on the Stillhouse podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Thank much. you very much. Thanks for having us. That's the end of the show for today. And it's certainly given me some food for thought. Seriously, though, I think Tom and Adam have really shown how dark spirits have an amazing history and association with food. It's a tradition that's continued today in places like Japan and the US and hopefully soon in your own home as well. Dark spirits can certainly enhance our enjoyment of food, but only if they're served in the right way. Just like any pairing, you need to find the right flavour combinations that work in harmony. Use your gut instinct and you won't go wrong. I hope you've managed to take away some great recommendations today. I know I have. Thank you to Adam Layton and Tom Bouton for sharing your knowledge and experience with us on the podcast. You can check out Tom's amazing restaurant, The Grill at the Dorchester's website at dorchestercollection.com. You can also learn more about Adam and Honest Burgers at honestburgers.co.uk. Thank you for joining us in the Still House today. Just a few quick notes before we go. Make sure to follow the show so you get automatically notified about new episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow the show on Instagram at The Stillhouse Podcast. If you would like to learn more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at Becky Paskin or at Our Whiskey. Data and knowledge shared in this podcast is built on insight from Edrington UK's 2025 Category Vision, a framework based on exclusive consumer research brought to you by the UK's leading dark spirits experts. This podcast is produced by Edrington UK in partnership with One Fine Play. The Edrington UK team has been led by Fiona Older with a project team of Catherine Barossa, DK Chung and Becca Flynn. From One Fine Play, James Bishop is the executive producer. Kajra Ferozia is the editor and producer. Connor Foley is the producer and researcher. Selena Christofides is the graphic designer. 
I've been your host, Becky Paskin, and this has been The Stillhouse Podcast. For more information on responsible drinking, please visit drinkaware.co.uk. Thank mm-hmm. you.